Well, welcome everybody to I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson, uh, on Market Scale Radio. You can tell that the studio's a little bit different today. I'm not able to record in my office at the hospital. Uh, I'm in quarantine. No, it's not me. Trust me, I'm not contagious, so you're fine. Uh, I had some family members that tested positive. So just to be on the safe side, I've been working virtually for a few days, uh, trying to keep everybody safe, socially distanced. I should probably be wearing a mask while we're recording, but I'm not going to. So uh, anyway, really excited about today's episode. We've got uh, we've got a really interesting uh, uh, pair of guests today. We have two guests today. Uh, we've only done that once before, so hopefully it works out. But we have Robert Crane and Dr. Georgia Gavaris, and they're with Talkiatry. They're based in New York, and it's a great concept for getting uh, mental health assistance for folks. Uh, it's a company that they started earlier this year. So Robert, Georgia, welcome to I Don't Care. Hey, nice. thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for having us, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll tell the listeners a little bit about Talkiatry. I'm interested in how it got started and, and what got you on your path. Got it. Okay, so uh, let me start out with just how uh, I got on this path, and then we can get into Talkiatry for sure. And, um, you know, I'll give mine, and, and then uh, Dr. Gavaris, uh, you know, will give, will give hers as well. So mine started out in 2016. Um, so uh, during that time, I was on the investment side, so my background is in financials. Um, I actually had a home invasion uh, at, that, at that time. And, um, you know, there was, there was some injuries and some breaking into my apartment uh, in Manhattan here. Uh, so it was pretty, pretty traumatizing. Uh, and a friend of mine, his wife was a psychiatrist and suggested that I go and speak to someone about it, you know, and, and I had never done that before. So I thought, why not? I've got United Healthcare, I've got great insurance. Um, it should be easy, just like going to see a primary care physician or a dermatologist. Uh, very quickly found out that that's not the case at all. Um, extremely difficult to find a provider who was within network um, and then also had availability. So I ended up making an appointment for a provider who was out of, out of pocket. Um, so I paid $400 for the visit. Um, the receptionist seemed like she only wanted to make sure I was okay with paying that amount of money. Um, no way to, to check in online or anything. So uh, I, get to the, um, I get to the appointment and it's in a basement level uh, office building with seven doorbells on the wall with doctor's names scrawled on tape underneath them. Uh, hit the button, nothing happened. Uh, you know, and eventually I just walked in and sat on a couch. There was no receptionist. And about five to 10 minutes later, somebody came out and uh, got me, who was my, my doctor. And I thought to myself, you know, there's, uh, this makes no sense. Uh, you know, why, why is it not more um, institutionalized or sophisticated? Um, and I can only imagine how difficult it is for people who, um, you know, couldn't afford to pay that amount or didn't have the time really to jump through those hoops. Um, so I went back and I knew that there were businesses that have been created in other specialties, um, you know, just not in psychiatry and thought, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why it didn't happen historically, but I thought that, um, you know, I would be able to give it a shot and, and really um, provide psychiatry with the institutionalization that it really needed on an outpatient basis. So um, individually, that was my journey. Uh, Dr. Gravaris and I had a mutual friend at that time. Um, so maybe... Georgia, if you want to. Sure. Uh, so yes, that's Robert's right. We had a mutual, we have a mutual friend. And I have spent really my entire career in academia, um, in hospital-based setting, like most doctors, not my most psychiatrists, really. That's where uh, we tend to land. So I was um, a training director, so I was really involved in training doctors, child psychiatrists, 
and clinical work, um, I tried a couple of different things and really where I landed clinically was doing mostly emergency room work. Um, I actually really liked emergency rooms. Um, and uh, so that's what I had been doing my pretty much my entire career. Uh, the job right before I came, uh, came on board with psychiatry was running a fairly large psychiatric emergency room here in New York, a busy, uh, very busy setting. And when you work in emergency rooms, and I think this holds true really on the medical side as well, what you see is a lot of people who, for whatever reason, don't have appropriate outpatient care, aren't really following up in some way, and then there's a crisis. Or even if there isn't a crisis, they need something, and they really don't even know where else to turn because, like Robert said, they try their insurance company. There's, you know, there's a wait list for six months, for five, whatever it is, or they can't find anyone, or you know, everyone's too far away. In New York, that's not as much of an issue, but certainly in other parts of the country, it's a huge issue. Issue is distance. So, um, you know, I, I kept seeing that in the emergency room setting, and then uh, when I heard about this, I thought, you know, this is really quite an amazing way to kind of bridge that gap for people. Um, you know, who work hard, they have insurance, they have, you know, uh, they really want to do this and they just aren't able to, to, figure, to, to figure out a way to do it. So um, when I was presented with the opportunity to join up with Robert, I was like, this is, this is fantastic. Because the other part of this is I worked so long training doctors and then when doctors graduate, they really don't have, they really didn't know what it was like to work in regular outpatient psychiatric setting. Um, their experience had really just been in clinics, uh, hospital clinics, and that's a very different environment from um, outpatient work. So um, it was also a really great opportunity to um, create an environment where providers can have uh, have the setting to do this type of work, which really, um, honestly, didn't really exist. And we can go into that more yeah. later. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really such a great uh, combination of things that I, um, I'd really enjoyed doing. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. And I'm happy to give a quick overview on Talkiatry. Yeah, please do. Sure. So, uh, you know, really, if you think about it, right, there's um, 550,000 approximately mental health providers in the U.S. Less than 10% of them are psychiatrists. Okay. So, um, when you look at where most of them work, uh, or if they take insurance, 45% of psychiatrists in the US don't accept commercial insurance. So it's a huge issue, um, not only from an accessibility standpoint, but um, you know, feeds into technology and other things as well. And uh, when you look at where they work, typically it's one of two settings. They either work in, uh, like Dr. Gervaris, they either work in hospitals or clinics, um, but um, the vast majority of the population uh, doesn't want to go to a hospital or a clinic if they're not uh, extremely, extremely sick. So they're not going to go there for mental health help. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other part of psychiatrists work in private practice. But again, it just so happens that most of those providers are the ones that don't take insurance. So if you're not willing to pay $400 or go to the hospital, you're going to fo forego care. And that really leads to roughly 60% of adults in the U.S. with a diagnosable mental illness go untreated every single year. So it's a huge issue. And so what we have decided is we thought that we can bring specifically psychiatrists and psychiatric nurse practitioners, uh, really create an institutionalized outpatient setting that will allow you know, top doctors from hospitals to be available on an outpatient basis. And we built the company really around them. So the goal of the company is to solve every one of their needs, whether it's technology I'll get into in a minute, whether it is um, flexibility to do telehealth or see patients in person, whether that's um, you know, support staff, whether that's you know, competitive benefits and things like that, um, and allow them to do what they do best, which is uh, treat patients. 
Um, so, you know, bringing those doctors in an accessible manner is, is what we really focus on. So psychiatrists and psych NPs that you can't get access to otherwise, we're in network with every major insurance company in the country. So Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, Cigna, Aetna, we do take Medicare, um, Humana, so pretty much everyone. Um, and then again, you know, the technology piece is extremely important to us, which is bringing the technological advances that have happened in other specialties uh, to psychiatry, where psychiatry is generally lagged behind. It's just fascinating what, what you just shared with us. Number one, your passion on both sides, from, from someone who was looking for mental health services to a mental health provider, it's just incredible, you know, uh, that, that you were able to come together to build something like this because, you know, I see locally uh, here in Central Texas, we have, uh, in my hospital, we have our own mental health facility. And, uh, you know, we have, we have four psychiatrists on staff, but we also use a lot of telepsych coverage as well. And, and you're, you're so right, the accessibility of mental health uh, services is, is so difficult to come by. Uh, you know, you can only imagine what it's like here. You know, you would expect in a much larger area like New York City, there might be uh, more services. Oh. But obviously, you ran into some issues there. But what really fascinates me is the fact that you were able to get on all the major health plans, uh, seems like pretty quickly. Uh, well, yeah, yeah I mean, we about could, that a little bit. Sure. Um, so, you know, yes, we launched seeing patients in April of this year, but the reality is that we were working on this platform for a number of years before that. And there's things that insurance companies are focused on. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it, to be quite honest with you, was getting in touch with correct people. And not only that, but educating them on how talkiatry is different and how we can really solve the accessibility in mental health care three to five years from now and not just increase accessibility. That's, a, that's a, a key piece, it's very, very important, but you can increase accessibility a lot of different ways. And we wanted to prove to them that not only can we increase accessibility, but we can solve bigger issues that they're having, whether that's you know, moving to a collaborative care framework, whether that's uh, you know, moving to different compensation models uh, for, for providers um, and things like that. And, and I think um, the fact that we were able to really show them how our platform was built to partner with them long-term. Um, so this entire platform is built on um, you know, commercially insured patients mm -hmm. and being a long-term partner of all major health insurance companies. And I think that's a big thing that they look for um, but not only that, again, with how we can assist them in, um, you know, collaboration of care and getting patients treated, because from their side, they're looking at it saying, you know, the various studies show that it is th almost three times more expensive to treat a patient who has a mental and physical comorbidity than a physical condition alone. So they, are, they, they know that it's out there and they know that these patients cost dramatically more to treat. They're looking for partners, but they're not looking for just any partner who can round up psychiatrists, right? One, that's extremely difficult to do, right. uh, but getting top doctors and having a cohesive platform where you can pull data out of it to provide this to them, uh, extremely important and very rare to find it all in one, in one package. Normally there's, there's people who do just the data piece. There's people who do just the provider piece uh, just the hospital piece, uh, just collaborative care piece, but nobody who really can wrap it all up. And we think ultimately that um, starts with a solid exclusive provider network, which is again, why we focus on the providers. That sounds great. So t tell me a little bit, you know, how are you different in, in integrating and working with your providers than say, uh, say another tele, tele firm or, or, or something like that? 
Yeah, so we don't just do telepsych. I think that's one of the big things. Our, our goal is to provide flexibility to our providers, right? Um, and stability as well. Um, so, uh, you know, all of our providers are exclusive to us. And again, we've built technology around them. So uh, one of the big things, I'm not sure uh, in your hospital, but it's hit or miss, and, and Dr. Guevaras can, can comment on this, but um, getting technology that works for psychiatry is difficult because most EMRs are not built, you know, with psychiatry as right. top of the line, especially not outpatient psychiatry. Um, right. And there's some things that are simple and some things that are very, very difficult. You know, one of the things that uh, Dr. Guevaras mentioned to me was, you know, listen, you should be able to send out a lab request along with a prescription medication. And when the lab comes back, it should come back ideally into the patient's chart and notify you. Right, mm -hmm. but, but that, that's really rare in inpatient psychiatry, but it's one of the first things we implemented. So changes like that um, really help us to, um, you know, win providers trust, right? But also keep in mind, Dr. Guevaras, we have providers who join because they interviewed with her mm -hmm. during their fellowship. You know I mean? Yeah. These are the types of providers who they come to work for. So they're not signing up to be a telepsychiatry service and sitting in a room. Mm -hmm. they're, they're signing up to learn from Dr. Guevara. I mean, maybe you can comment on it yeah. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. but. I mean, the fact that they're coming even though I didn't hire them the first time was impressive. <laughs> um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, we, know, we didn't start this thinking it was going to be telepsychiatry. Um, you know, no one predicted this, <laughs> um, right? So I think... Um, we were very fortunate, actually. You know, the EMR that we decided to, uh, decided to go with, and this was way before uh, COVID was in our vocabulary, um, happened to seamlessly integrate telehealth services. So that was really helpful for us, that we had a HIPAA-compliant, secure um, way to speak to our patients who, you know, who were locked at home just like we were. So um, it, it was really great that, it was in, that that was available. And, you know, as, as Robert was saying, you know, when it comes to technology, just like everything else that we're talking about, you know, for providers, a lot of it comes with scale. And when you're an individual provider, you know, this EMR, the, this really inclusive, this really wonderful um, overarching EMR that we use is cost prohibitive for an individual provider. There's no way yeah. for one person who's starting a practice to use this. And there are plenty of really wonderful EMRs that are built for small businesses for individual providers. Um, this EMR though, because it integrates so many things and the technology that we're working on for the future, we're looking to integrate into this EMR and hopefully um, create an even more robust, more um, comprehensive uh, medical record for someone. Yeah. And, and so, you know, all these things were built with the provider in mind. And I joked with Robert when we first started developing the, um, the templates for our EMR, because none of it is specific to psychiatry. That's, you know, mm -hmm. and that goes across the board for every EMR. I'm sure, Kevin, yeah. you know that as well. Sure. Um, you know, it, we've created it in such a way where providers don't have to worry about their E&M coding. You know, is it, is it the way that, that they want it to be in order to get reimbursed? Because E&M codes, even those, if you look at them, they're not really built for psychiatry as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, hard, it's yeah. hard to know. The location of the problem is in your brain. It always is in psychiatry, yeah. right? That's yeah. right. So, you know, we decided to really develop this in a way to make it as user-friendly for, for the providers. So they just need to focus on being good clinicians. They just need to focus on their patient, do the work, and don't worry so much about the documentation. Don't worry so much about, you know, we, we provided the support staff, we provided the EMR in such yeah. a way that they can, uh, they can not worry about that. Yeah, and we have, 
you know, we have uh, proprietary provider matching algorithms to make sure that these providers are getting the appropriate patients, but make sure that patients are getting the appropriate provider, right? We can't expect, you know, every patient to be an expert on what type of care they need, whether that's uh, certain types of medications, whether that is, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so we want to make sure that we're matching them with the best provider and not have them be dismayed or wait two or three weeks just to be told, you know, we're not the right person. Um, and that just delays care even more. So if someone needs the right care, our goal is to get that to them right away. And we pair that with automated pre-diagnosis so that, you know, you may know I might have mild depression and Dr. Graveris is a, is a person that they're recommending I see. And it, it helps us skip a lot of the kind of manual screening processes that, that most places don't even have that, right? Mm -hmm. So we've kind of taken it a step above, developed proprietary technology and layered it on top of kind of a base EMR. And that allowed us to kind of bring patients together and connect them with, with the best providers for them, but track their progress going forward as well. So they've okay. got this technology that they've never had before, and then they've paired it with kind of a, uh, an entire platform that's built to support them, whether it's billing or um, front desk as well. Okay. So, so we've talked a lot about the technology focused around your providers, but what about your patients? Tell me a little bit about the technological uh, uh, dealings that they would have with talkiatry. Sure, of course. So, uh, you know, we're working on something right now, again, what I mentioned, which is that kind of automated pre-diagnosis where they would be able to go in without interacting with a talk IHU provider and, and make a determination, you know, do they, may they have anxiety? May they have mild depression? Um, and then be able to get referred to the correct provider. So it, it makes it pretty seamless for them without having to give a whole lot of their personal information or log into something, which, um, you know, reduces the stigma around mental health care. And so that's kind of a huge first step um, we get a lot of patients who talk is our first interaction with a mental health provider. So our goal is really to make sure that we're getting them to the most appropriate place possible. Um, but after an appointment is made, you know, patients can log in from their phone and join the televisit. They can reschedule appointments on their app. Um, they can send messages to their doctor on the app without scheduling an appointment. They can submit refill requests. I mean, really uh, uh, just a complete kind of service for them. They can view billing information all of these things without having to step away from their desk and make a call to speak to us. Um, but of course they can also email us as well. So um, I think, uh, you know, part of the accessibility is bringing doctors that you can interact with, but then the other mode of it is, you know, having technology that facilitates that accessibility. Um, and again, the flexibility is on the provider to determine, you know, what they think is clinically appropriate way to interact with the patient is, whether that is in person, whether that's telepsychiatry, um, you know, whether that is responding to a message during an acute issue, uh, things like that. So, okay. And the, well, and, the um, and go ahead. Um, I'm sorry, I was just wanted to point out the um, information that they provide that Robert was talking about. It's not just questions we made up out of nowhere. This is based on, uh, this is evidence-based this, these are validated um, questions and questionnaires and things that then we can uh, repeat in order to track progress, which is something else that insurance companies really want is, you know, actual tangible numbers, uh, evidence that somebody is getting better or somebody's yeah. not getting better. Mm -hmm. So then you of can course. adjust treatment. It helps the provider, it helps the patient, and it provides data. And these data can then be used for, you know, for, uh, in order to hone what you're doing with the patient and make sure that you guys are on the right track and in, in what you're doing. Yeah. And we don't, um, we want to make sure that you're not repeating yourself. And so all this information is captured and delivered right into the patient chart into the EMR, which is, Good. you know, it's a pretty tough thing to do nowadays because, you know, uh, developing your own software in, in connection with a very large EHR is something that, um, you know, it's not very easy to do. So you've really kind of got to get it down right. And it's something that we've spent a long time, you know, uh, perfecting. 
That's tremendous. So, so you said that you started uh, interacting and seeing patients April of this year. Boy, what great timing could that have been? Um, yeah, and and I want to hear about that. But I, you know, you talk about wanting to provide access and flexibility. So, have you been able to perform any in-person visits? Are you know? I'm going to throw a lot of questions here. In-person visits. Are you are you focused only on the New York City area? Uh, for in-person? Are you going to be going outside? Let's hear about that. Um, well, right now we're doing everything virtually um, for a couple of different reasons. One, I mean, I think, you know, and especially uh, the way things are going in New York, you know, there's for a while we were doing very, very well. And I don't right. think that there would have been an issue in trying to trying to do these in-person visits. You know, if I could get my hair done, I could have a patient. We could figure it exactly. out. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, for our patients, um, they're not leaving. They're, they're home. They're working from home. So for us, we're also thinking about what is best for our patients. And if they don't have to leave for any other reasons, if, if they want to be, if they're home, it's uh, much easier for us to continue with televisits. Um, that being said, we also are, you know, our offices, we are fortunate enough to be able to expand already. So we, um, you know, our offices uh, are a little bit in transition right now. So probably best that patients aren't here, but it's something that we, we feel we could do. But for, uh, for everyone's ease, it's, it's, I think we're going to hold off for a little while longer. Um, sure. That being said, you know, we never planned for this to be telepsychiatry, like I, like I told you, but um, we've integrated it so seamlessly that we can see a mixed model moving forward. A lot of our patients are based in New York City um, or the surrounding area, but for personal reasons, just like most of America, they've maybe gone home, they've uh, you know, had extended stay somewhere where they can feel that they're safer. So a lot of our patients, even though they are based in New York City right now, are out of state. Um, the way that the laws were um, adjusted for telepsychiatry um, have allowed us to see patients really all over the country. Um, including, <laughs> including Hawaii. So, you know, we've seen people all over. <laughs> it's really nice backgrounds there. Yeah, um, so, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, right now we are focused in New York because this is where all our providers are licensed. So it, again, these things were put on hold because of uh, the changes in the, in the telepsychiatry, uh, the telehealth laws. We'll see how it is moving forward as we all adjust, as hopefully a vaccine is developed, all these things happen. Um, right now, you know, certainly with our providers all being licensed in New York, that's a, a big part of where you can see patients. Okay. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I look forward to having you all back in, in, a, in a year or so when you're expanding across the country uh, uh, for in-person visits. Okay. Uh, with uh, with a little bit of time that we have left, uh, I've got to ask this question. You know, we we all have been dealing with the election over the last week. Have you seen a real increase in, in the desire for visits because of election stress? Uh, yes, the short answer. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I thought that would be the right answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to give you that. Obviously, this is a question that's best suited for, for Dr. Gavaris, but I'm just going to throw in a quick data point here that we saw a 13% increase week over week for, uh, you know, appointment requests. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're, we're at capacity. So, um, you know, until we bring on additional providers, we've got many starting over the next few months. Um, but I thought that was an interesting stat uh, that would kind of feed into, into what Dr. Gavaris yeah. is saying. Um, I had a clinic one of the days where I see patients is Wednesday and I came in knowing Wednesday was going to be going to be a rough day. Um, and yeah, and I got a lot of messages from patients who, uh, who I wasn't, I was not planning to see that day who just wanted to uh, check in 
some needed refills on their medications um, pretty urgently. But you know, it's uh, it's something that we, you know when you work with uh, when you work with someone for a while, you know what's going to be stressful and not stressful. So a lot of the patients you know that we've been working with, um, you know, we've been fortunate uh, to have kind of like all crisis all the time really in the past six months so right. we've done uh you know we've done a lot of work with our patients and you know we've developed relationships it's funny how even though it's through this medium uh it's it, you've developed you can develop quite a connection so um we've planned ahead with a lot of our patients and like robert said while a lot of people have been calling kind of de novo for for new appointments we've had a lot of our own patients follow up with us and you know they've mm -hmm. they're they've done a wonderful job and you know Stress has gone up, stress has gone down in the past, uh, gosh, it's only been a week. I can't believe it, but it, it I has. I know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Time <laughs> flies when you're uh, having fun. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so important to provide that flexibility. So patients, yeah. you know, when something like this comes up, uh, you know, patients have a multitude of ways of reaching yeah. out to us and kind of uh, can, can follow whatever they are most comfortable with and whatever the provider thinks is most appropriate. So we don't want to, you know, take any tools out of a provider's tool belt. Um, sure. And so uh, that's the goal of Takayashi to put them all back in. Yeah, and we are entering the holiday season right now as well, uh, which brings in a whole, you know, it's just another yeah, layer. That's, yeah. exactly. I, I always joke that putting Thanksgiving right after election day is such a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Who'd have yeah. thought? Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I remember last year we, we did a couple of episodes on holiday stress and, uh, you know, I bet we go back there again this year too. So, well, I'll tell you, I, I've been so impressed with, again, number one, each of your passions for this. I mean, it's just tremendous. Uh, I look forward to following uh, the future of Takayatri and both of you, because I know it's going to be a tremendous success. I'm, Thank you. I'm Thank just you. so impressed with what you've done so far. So uh, with that, uh, thank you to Robert Crane and Dr. Georgia Gavaris from Talkiatry. It's been uh, just great talking to you guys and getting to know you. And so with that, uh, we, uh, we've come to the end of a, yet another episode of I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Uh, so happy you were able to join us today. Uh, remember, we are on Market Scale Radio every Friday morning at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. And then pretty soon thereafter, it drops on Spotify and iTunes. And like I say every week, if you haven't subscribed so far, what's wrong with you? So with that, uh, thanks so much. And we'll be talking with you again next week. Take care.